Welcome to the first episode of Podcast 99, where we discuss all things Woodstock 99 in an attempt to document what actually transpired during what was supposed to be three more days of peace, love, and music. When telling people about Podcast 99, the most common reaction is why. Why would anyone want to talk about that? Well, Woodstock 99 wasn't just the most massive music festival the world had seen up to that point, and it wasn't just a deadly riot culminating in dozens of fires, thousands of injuries, millions of dollars worth of property damage, and a single death. Woodstock 99 was a monumental cultural event, a perfect balance of the joy and anger felt by the young people of the 1990s. The triumphs and failures of Woodstock 99 speak to so many societal issues still relevant to this day. In an era where large-scale music festivals are a dime a dozen, it's important to look back at the most ambitious of them all. Much like how the Titanic, the premier ship of its time, sunk due to corner-cutting and operator negligence, Woodstock 99 was built to fail. Three days of peace, love, and music, or three days of violence, rape, and destruction? That is what we are here to find out. My name is Ryan Lichten, and I have been obsessed with the myth of Woodstock 99 since it happened. I can remember being a kid watching the MTV coverage the first two days and wishing I could be there so badly. All of my favorite bands were playing. But by the third day, even as a young kid, I understood that that was not a place I wanted to be. As a musician, the videos of the bands playing seemed surreal. Audiences of that size were unheard of then and still are now. And as a concert goer, the footage of the chaos that ensued also seemed surreal. How could it go so wrong? I'm going to pass it off now to my co-hosts so you can get to know them a little bit. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? All right. All right. Thanks, Ryan. My name is Joshua Evans, and I was just two months shy of my eighth birthday when Woodstock 99 took place. Before the internet, my musical horizon went as far as what I heard on the radio, what I saw on MTV and VH1, and a collection of VHS tapes loaded with episodes of Headbangers Ball and Beavis and Butthead, courtesy of my father. When I saw the broadcast of Woodstock 99 on television, I was completely amazed. I couldn't believe that something like that was possible, and I even envied those who attended. When I think of the 90s now, I can't help but think of how it began with high hopes of progression and new beginnings. It was supposed to be a clean slate from the 1980s, right? But when those expectations fell through, things seemed to swing in the dark. From the satanic panic nonsense, the Clinton administration... Kurt Cobain, Princess Diana, Versace, Tupac and Biggie, Waco, the Oklahoma City bombings, and lastly, just a few months prior to Woodstock, the Columbine shootings. The 90s seemed so hellbent on destruction as it approached its closing years. But to me, it should have been a wake-up call to some of the horrors we are experiencing in our society today. And like other American tragedies, Woodstock 99 is no different and should not be forgotten. Now... I'm going to hand it over to my good pal, Parks Takashi Miller. What's up, y'all? That was that was so cute. That was very sweet. It was like a reading a book report in third grade, like a just like a little show and tell. But here we are. My name is Parks Miller. I am 29 years old. I just got dumped, and I live with my parents. And uh, I think that that makes it the perfect time in my life 
to make a podcast about Woodstock 99. There is no denying that if you look into the details of this festival, it really was a hugely important cultural event in the United States of America. Woodstock 99 was modeled as the 30th anniversary of Woodstock 69, a music festival which is now seen as a high watermark of the 1960s counterculture in the U.S. Given the attendance numbers, Woodstock 99 matched its predecessors in terms of sheer impact, but it missed the mark so poorly in terms of what the message and the goal was. There was music, but the peace and love was lacking. One of the most distinct features of this festival was the heavy inclusion of new metal and aggressive rock acts as headliners. Now it seems silly that in 2018, one would want to spend time talking about bands like Limp Bizkit and Korn. Their style has fallen so completely out of favor. But for anybody like myself that is interested in pop culture of this country, I find it completely fascinating that these bands in 1999 were the biggest musical acts in the country. It wasn't all bad, though. There were some good times, and we really want to get into that. Willie Nelson played. There there was some of that spirit left, but it just clashed so hard with the incredibly aggressive new metal acts that played in the night. And with these next episodes, we can really delve into a lot of intricate factors of this festival that we all feel still reflect on our society today. Just like the first Woodstock of the 60s, this festival contains so many defining elements of the 1990s in three short days. Yeah, I think we should take that leap. We're going to get silly with it. We're going to get serious. We're going to get super bizarre. But we want to take you on this journey through Woodstock 99. Amazing. So what we want to do in this first episode is kind of give you a brief list of the highlights, the reasons why you're going to want to learn more about this, because there is so much to talk about and so much went wrong, so much went right. There is funny stuff. There is sad stuff. There is scary stuff. Uh, Everything about Woodstock 99 is definitely worth talking about. Um, But let's get down to the basics really quick. So it took place, the festival itself, between July 23rd through the 25th, 1999. There was a pre-show on July 22nd, which kind of served as a, you know, pre-show for people arriving early and also doubled as a birthday party for George Clinton of uh, Parliament Funkadelic, who played uh, a a set that night. Yeah. And it was very great. And that's probably where the festival should have ended (laughs) because everyone had a great time and we're probably ready to go home. But it was just getting started. They weren't ready to go home. They weren't ready to go home. (laughs) They were ready to fucking burn shit and kill people. Uh it took place in Rome, New York at Griffiths Park, which was also known as Griffiths Air Force Base. Um, and, you know, that is a very unforgiving kind of environment. It's all asphalt. It's huge runways. The indoor stages that there were, which was only two, there was an emerging artist stage and a rave stage. Those took place inside hangars, uh, while, while, while as everything else was outside in the heat. And the heat actually reached the triple digits. It was about 102 degrees for the majority of the daytime of those festivals. And the stages were up to a mile and a half apart. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how miserable it would be to get it's from one. It's a lot one, of walking. It's a lot of walking. And if you see like a bird's eye view of this place, it's, it's like a giant triangle. Like it's 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 insane. Massive. And it looks like a refugee camp. Uh, especially by the end. Um, 
So in attendance, you know, was, like I said earlier, it was unheard of. It was one of the largest concerts of its time. It's estimated that there was about 400,000 people there, while ticket sales were about three quarters of that. So that kind of lets you know how many people ended up sneaking in. Uh, and that kind of comes into play later when we talk about the riots and people breaking stuff and looting stuff and, and just the overall attitude of, of this event it, it it wasn't people that paid to do this and then you know got their got their money's worth these were you know hooligans you know for the right. most part um the lineup which was over a hundred of the world's biggest acts at the time almost every single act that played could have headlined the festival uh it included you know limp biscuit who i'm going to refer to as the godfathers of woodstock 99 from now on limp biscuit yes uh Al- yeah. alanis morissette rage against the machine metallica megadeth jewel dave matthews band bush live red hot chili peppers dmx guster moby fatboy slim james brown insane clown posse cheryl crow and a shitload more. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I literally George Clint- just. George Clinton played. Dave. Oh, we said Dave Matthews. I mean. G Love and Special Sauce. Creed. Creed played with the original guitar yeah. player from The Doors. I Seven mean. Dust. Wyclef John did a special Star Spangled Banner tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yes. And we will get into that <sighs> a lot later because that is a major highlight of Woodstock 99 uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but, you know, on top of that insane, you know, uh, attendance and that insane lineup, which, of course, you know, drew every music fan that had the $150 to spend on a ticket, which at the time was considered to be extravagant. Uh, $150, yeah. though, in nowadays money is about like 225 bucks, which isn't that much considering right. that Coachella will run you about right, yeah. $450. A lot of these festivals. Yeah, yeah. You know, these and are compared to the compared to Woodstock 69. I mean. What, weren't those tickets like a few dollars? They were like ten bucks. You know, like yeah. they were like ten bucks, which even in, with inflation is still like a thirty or forty dollar ticket. Just as a reminder for the original Woodstock. Just as a reminder too, like what's like sixty nine? That was about that was close to a million people. So ninety nine, we we got about half of that. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is, you know, if you have a million people and you're telling them that peace and love is where it's at and everyone needs to get together and we yeah. need a band, then they're all going to do that. Yeah, but if you like get half a million yeah. people, it's like the fleas chasing the giant dog. Right. Yeah. If everyone's if everyone's getting high and listening to Crosby, Stills and Nash, like that's a great time. <laughs> if everyone's like taking fucking acid and listening to Metallica. They're gonna, and yeah. People, hey, pe- people want to wreck <laughs> shit. That's a good. It's time a good too. time too, but people want to like mess <laughs> stuff up. Depends on who you are. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, but on top of all that, it's like, how do you contain that? You know, especially in a venue that isn't meant to host live events. Well, they had the great idea of just building a wall. Uh, out of plywood with steel reinforcement around the whole thing that was then painted by local school children and, and and local artists and you know everyone got their own little panel of the wall and they got to paint it that would later be used for uh, crowd surfing material and firewood uh, again that is something <laughs> yeah, yeah. that we will get into more later um, also you know I, I mentioned the unprecedented number of people sneaking in that's because the security at Woodstock 99 which they dubbed the Peace Patrol and, and when you watch videos you'll see the security guards wearing these yellow shirts that say Peace Patrol on the back they all quit 
like it, the second day, there yeah. was supposed to be, uh, I, I believe it was 1,200 security guards were supposed to have clocked in, and 225 did. So these people were literally coming into the festival yeah. grounds, stripping themselves of their uniform, and then just going to Woodstock, which, you know, is a major problem. Yeah, and, you know, according to one of the major promoters of this festival, to him, they were he thought they were, like, over that security wise so it's, yeah he's like we're wasting all this money yeah, on you know. all these toilets and security and you guys are complaining yeah. yeah exactly and another thing is infrastructure totally breaks down by the end of day one They're, they only had enough toilets to support that many people for one day uh they didn't count on the over 150,000 people sneaking in uh you know and using their facilities so everything breaks down um, and that is everything. E- e- yeah. Everything breaks down. The food, I mean, jacks up in prices. Everything goes up in prices after the first day because everything ran out. There was no really free water. Um, they said, you know, I've read in different reports. Uh, for instance, Rolling Stone magazine's coverage of Woodstock '99. They said that there was about two or three free water fountains kind of near the campgrounds, but the lines, like you'd be waiting for about an hour and a half to be able to fill up your jug or whatever it was that you had. Um, and then that leads us into what everyone really wants to hear about, which is all the crimes and the riots and the really kind of tragic aspects of Woodstock 99, um, yeah. which include eight reported sexual assaults. It's actually probably more in the hundreds, if not thousands. thousands yeah, more. Be- because, yeah. you know. Yeah. W- any, any, any live footage you watch of any band, anytime there's a crowd shot, like. Someone's getting groped. Someone's getting groped. Yeah, for it, sure. It's, it's, yeah. it's really it awful. what you're watching. And, you know, it's. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, 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 and we're going to make jokes about it, but there really is, like, there's some serious darkness to it. It's literally and, terrifying. Uh, yeah. Like, we, we will, you know, we, we want to make jokes about it, but we, but when you actually imagine this scenario in which people you know they they, they want to like have a part of this history of woodstock and they want to like experience this thing and then like just all these women are just completely like they want to be free they're taking their tops off which is now also a thing you don't see it concerts anymore because everyone has a smartphone yeah thanks woodstock but 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 but, but uh, yeah but the like final years this is like, a time where like women being, that you'd get on it was it was the yeah, last time that you could be the last one of the last moments of being anonymous and just being you know being able to exactly the crowd was not like, held accountable. Like ninety nine yeah. is like was like a, a real life version of something like four chan or Reddit or the internet itself. You know, like it. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. yeah. It, it it literally is because it's you know these people that. A lot of the people Trolls. that bought that bought tickets were not music fans. These were not people that were going to Woodstock '99 because they were the biggest corn fan ever, or because you know they had to go see Sheryl Crow or whatever. It's kind of split into a couple different groups, you know. And the largest group is definitely just kind of like upper class white males who had the money for Woodstock, and it's kind of like what we see with like Burning Man now or any of these other festivals. Right. They just hear like, oh, well, dude, Woodstock—that's where chicks walk around naked and fucking everyone has sex. So. They came there with the idea that you could that anything goes. You know, Woodstock right. is bad right. expectations. Exactly, and Woodstock Crazy is a community within itself, and that's something that is going to be a running theme throughout this entire podcast. Is that Woodstock has its own mentality? You know, people g- yeah. coming into Woodstock 
where like a, like a brand even it, well yeah like yeah. a brand but also like a state of mind or like like a place like las vegas yeah. or, or new orleans where it's like oh no like I'm going here because I can be a fucking total asshole and I can get drunk and walk around naked and I'm going to grab these tits and I'm going to do all this fucked up shit and then I go home and it's fine because it's Woodstock. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot yeah. of quiet rides home right. <laughs> from from Woodstock, yeah. you know, with the way people totally. are acting. A lot of people yeah, just, imagine. yeah, a lot of, lot of solemn rides home. Um, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's just so much. But, but And the thing with the assault, there was, though, And there oh, yeah. was some good, too. There was some good that happened at the same time and it really did start off so optimistically because we've we've watched this like this pre-show and the first day it just it, it, it kind of had the it vibe had the it had the sure. 69 yeah, yeah. vibe and it ends i mean spoiler alert we're gonna go through all the but it ends with the red hot chili peppers playing the song fire covering Jimi hendrix fire as a tribute and when they cover fire people just start lighting shit on fire and they and they lit like giant tractor trailers on fire. We're talking like ten million in property damage. Oh yeah, no, and, like, and you know, and you know and scary. You know. We're we're gonna play a little uh, a sound clip uh, here, which is actually John Share, who is one of the two two one of two of the main promoters of the entire festival, uh, who will kind of act as our man in the tower, our evil mayor. Trump. Uh, yeah, the Trump, Trump kind of figure, the the Trump man up. with an answer. Oh, yeah. And oh, uh, we can talk about Trump, dude. Uh, <laughs> we could, no, no, no. Wouldn't it be we have John Share instead. At Woodstock? I know, but I. This is the leap I want to make: is that people are scratching their heads. How did Trump get elected? You, we can tie it back to Woodstock. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we can do that. Yeah, did you hear? I really think we my, can do did that. Did you hear my, my, my book report introduction, Parks? I did. No, I loved it. No, I loved it. I was just, riv I'm riven on you. So, so, but, but in this clip, it's during the Red Hot Chili Peppers set. This is the last day of Woodstock. This is the last act besides a Jimi Hendrix tribute that they were supposed to play after Red Hot Chili Peppers where they're going to, oh, they're going to play this like crazy edited version of Jimi Hendrix doing the national anthem and it's like the ultimate tribute and that's where we're going to end the festival on. Oh, they still played it, but that's when fires were actually burning. But what you're going to hear in this clip is John Cher on stage stopping the Chili Peppers set to tell over 300, 400,000 people to calm down. Because there's fires and it's not part of the show. Yeah. So let's let's take yeah. a listen to that really yeah. quick. Hey guys, calm down a minute. Whoa. Whoa. As you can see, if you look behind you, we have a bit of a problem. Chili peppers are gonna come back. Calm down. We got three days through. We need calm down. We don't want anybody to get hurt. The delay tower is on fire, as you can see. It's not part of the show. It really is a problem. So the fire department's gonna have to come in with a fire truck to put the fire out. If everybody can cooperate with the good firemen that are gonna help, we'd appreciate it. You guys back there, all the way back near the fire, if you can hear me, back away. There's only a couple of hundred thousand of you guys, but we need your help. So let's back away, let's let the fire department do their job. Make sure nobody gets hurt. We'll be ready to go in just a little while. Yeah, it's like, why would you say don't, like, when, when, it, 
when it's already happening. Yeah, no, you my favorite I mean? part like, of the clip is when he says, there's only a couple hundred thousand of you. Like, yeah. this is all Trump stuff. Like, yeah. like don't, like, calm yeah. down. Yeah, this is- Stop. Don't worry about, it. like, as if there hadn't been two days of absolute carnage yeah, beforehand. Exactly. People think that, like, it, everything started during Limp Bizkit set, which if you know anything about Woodstock 99, you know that Limp Bizkit is notoriously blamed for the start of the of you know the rapes and and the fires and the destruction yeah. because they have a song called Break Stuff and they did have a particularly gnarly fucking set but we have so much proof that it started with all that stuff it it just yeah. came to a head yeah. mm-hmm. during that time oh, but yeah. it they they're not to blame we, we'll we got some gossip we, later. we got some gossip some drama we got we got Jonathan Davis from Corn blaming the entire mishaps on Limp Biscuit though you can watch corn set yeah. on the first day, and you can see that already, like, they were provoking well, yeah. the crowd. Well, they weren't. I wouldn't say they were provoking the crowd. I, w- I would just, you know. True. Just, yeah. yeah, you're right. We've gotten into Okay, this. you're again, right. We, That's, we, we, we don't want to we don't wanna right. un- unveil too you're much right. about right. Limp Bizkit because, like, it's so damn juicy, and we're so hyped on it yeah. that we're saving that for, like, yeah. its own thing. But trust me, Limp Bizkit is not to blame, and there was absolutely terrifying shit happening this entire weekend. Um, the riots that ensued... I mean, all the, all, the, all the rapes that we were talking about, like, those are reported as early as, like, you know, the corn... Show, day one. which was day one yeah and uh there was yep. a press conference you know i think day two and a reporter or, or someone in the press asks john you know the panel about that and they don't really address it until the final day oh no they you completely know, like, write everything they, they, off, they sort yeah. of yeah so because at the at- at the end of the day, the most important thing to worry or to think about and consider about Woodstock 99 in relation to the original Woodstock is the original Woodstock was a fun time where acts were coming, you know, from all around the country. And it, it was a huge, you know, as Park said, like a cultural, you know, high watermark. This this is it, man. But it wasn't the intention wasn't to make money. Woodstock 99 is a complete commercialization of fucking like an idea yeah you know what i mean yeah it's like this is when they're like fuck this shit like everyone loves woodstock everyone wishes they could have been at the original one for what it was let's get it sponsored by pepsi and hire every single person that's on trl to play and charge everyone out the fucking ass right you know because you hear things uh, again about like price gouging and all that stuff uh for the food and the water and all that you hear four dollars for a bottle of water that translates to about six dollars nowadays which is very high for a small bottle of water most festivals you go to now at least have some kind of free water resource you know what i mean um because yeah i mean there was thousands of people that were hospitalized for heat exhaustion at, at Woodstock. Um, also, another thing worth mentioning in, in this first little just glimpse at, at how bad things got, uh, the fires and the riots cost about $10 million uh, in property damage. And there was also looting, so that, that's not included in that amount, all the money that companies lost out on, and, and all the violence. I mean, people were turning over ATMs, people were getting beaten, people were being jumped, of course, right. you know, all the yeah, terrible all things yeah. that happened to the women during the riots, not even talking about during the festival proper. Um, and then, you know, lots of drugs, there was a rave going on from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. every day after everything ended. Yep. Just everything you could do to allow for things to go wrong, we're done. Uh, and that is kind of the overall 
message of Woodstock '99 is this is not right. Everyone how to lost. Do this. Yeah, everyone money. lost. Something. Everyone lost yeah. something. Yeah. It's like murder. You know, no one gets yeah. away with murder. I mean, people I say, yeah. yeah. People are like, oh, OJ, he got away with murder. You don't get away with murder. Yeah. That's it. Sticks with you. John Cher fucking ran away with yeah. big money bags. No, nah, he, I mean, he has to live are, with this. These guys are, sh- <laughs> you know, they're shaken up by this today. Even you know, no, no yeah. one talks about it. Woodstock '99 yeah. is completely wiped out of all. Like music history, it's not something that people really talk about unless you're watching like a VH1 like top ten worst shit that ever happened in music countdown or something. Right. That's the right. only time you really hear about it. But well, goddamn wh- it, that's why we're here. But that's why that's we're the- here, man. That, that's- <laughs> that is why we're here. That is why we're here. And you- because because I've been I've been so excited to to record this episode and I I, I hang out with friends and I say. Oh, you know, what are, what are you doing, Parks? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to do this uh, podcast on Woodstock 99. And they're just like, why? Why, <laughs> why would you want to do that? Yeah, that's- And so we're really trying to, like, explain why. Like, why, why would three human beings want to just, like, devote time to it? But you... Because we're doing God's gotta work. got to get in. Yeah. Because this is we God's We got to get in there. Exactly. It can relate. It can relate. If you want answers to some of your problems, maybe we should start here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you you want to talk about some of the things that we talk about now I mean, in 2018? Like, these, these social issues. This is a massive scale thing. That's the other thing. You know, you had pay per view. You had MTV covering it. Uh, uh, Fox, I yeah. they covered like the early. I think they they probably stopped broadcasting around like eight or something. Well, every media outlet in the world so, was there. I mean, almost all almost them. every single set except for the rave sets were recorded. And you can't blur. You can't blur out a crowd. I'll say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it's. Yeah, and and again, you know, it should have been a it, it was it was a it should have been a wake up. We're call. we're we're getting into a, a lot of different things here, and we're gonna you know over the next episodes, we're definitely gonna be condensing these things and getting more and more into it. But we really just kind of wanted to give you guys the highlights, let you know some like quick facts that you might not have known. So you're like, oh shit, I didn't know it was that crazy. It just seemed like some silly, like ironic fucking 90s thing but the reason why you know you see a resurgence of everything in life you know when i was in high school the 80s were a big thing every everything had to be an 80s night you know and then now it's like oh 90s stuff and now we're just getting into the 2000s but everyone completely skips over that like 1999 to like 2000 fucking like period of of new metal and shit i've been to one new metal night in my life you know what i mean it's like this (laughs) shit didn't happen it's a it's a it's a skid mark, <laughs> you know what I mean, on the panties that are the 90s. No, on some whitey tidies of brown turd stain. Here's the thing. Every single decade, you take the 9, 1959, 69, 79, 89, 99, and it's like, as humans, we naturally group time into decades, and the last year of that decade is like the intense culmination of all the culture that has happened within sure. that decade. Oh no, totally. Well, yeah, and like with, Woodstock, with, with and Woodstock 69, 99. You know, there was, you know, Altamont was considered Woodstock West. Well, and we're going to get into Altamont. We'll get into Altamont later, which if you don't know, yes, it was considered to be the Woodstock of the West. Rolling Stones were the headliner. But that's like really where you see people trying to capitalize on the idea of Woodstock of like, oh, well, like hippies will pay to come to this and they'll come in flocks, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So let's just cut corners where we can because these are all peaceful people, right? We don't really need security. So so in Altamont, they hired the Hells Angels to be security. Someone was murdered. It's it's just like a dark... (laughs) time there but Woodstock 99 is that like 
in most recent history, that is what we have. Like in relation to Altima, we have Woodstock '99. It was the yeah, Altima of the '90s. Woodstock '99 is the bum yeah. that you pass on the street, you know, you, and you don't look. <laughs> you at just him. don't look at him, and you have to give him four dollars, you know, no, for you a bottle look. of water. No, you don't give him four dollars <laughs> for a bottle of water. But if someone forgets their wallet in the the coffee shop line in front of you, you go, "Oh, I got that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in. in in later episodes, the things we're going to get into, we're going to get into detailed layouts of day one, day two, day three, uh, everyone that played, highlights, downfalls, all that stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about all the positive things that happened. We're going to talk about the press conferences that were held. We're going to talk about the lay of the land, and we're going to paint a really detailed picture uh, next episode for you, you know, with the history of Woodstock and how we got to this place before we walk through the gates and give you the full Woodstock 99 experience. There's definitely more to come. There's more to come. Yeah, there, there is mu much, much more to come. Hang tight. Podcast 99 is made possible and brought to you by Beyond Hope Studios and Gray Holger at Contradict Sound. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. If you know anyone or you yourself went to Woodstock 99 or played or worked at it, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or you can reach us on our Instagram at podcast99. Thank you so much and we'll see you at Woodstock.